Today on Government Matters, a transformation underway at the Department of Homeland Security. Chief Financial Officer Troy Edgar on the agency's new system for managing money. Two key components of DHS make the financial management switch. Chief Information Officer Karen Evans on her part in the changeover. And the number one story of the week. OPM says work from home this week. GSA's Chief Human Capital Officer discusses remote work forever. Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Department of Homeland Security has hit a milestone in one of its modernization efforts. One of its biggest components has finished its transition to a new financial management system, and another component is on deck. Troy Edgar is the chief financial officer at DHS. Troy, welcome. Thanks very much for coming on the program. Where are you on this modernization journey? TSA is the, uh, the component that I'm referring to. The Coast Guard is on deck. Where are you in this modernization effort, Troy? Well, uh, thank you, Francis, for having me on the show. Um, you know, it's been a, quite a journey for uh, DHS. It's been about uh, 13 years. And, uh, you know, over the last two years, we've had a significant amount of progress. I'm really excited about TSA kind of is a major milestone. As you uh, know, CWMD, a very smaller group, went live uh, in 2018. Coast Guard coming up next fall. Um, we really are trying to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, there's a lot of people that have had 13 years of their career tied to this uh, implementation. So I'm also really focused on trying to rebrand the uh, the progress of this and making sure that the uh, the actual benefits that were tried to be gained through this process are actually uh, realized and the people that have dedicated their public service to this really get the recognition they deserve. What has been the kind of the, the pushed you over the edge? You mentioned the small office that came online 2018. TSA now, what's driving this? If you're going to be able to bring another component with Coast Guard on in a year, it sounds like you've kind of hit a tipping point of some sort. Yeah, you know, uh, about a, two years ago, uh, they start. We started moving away from a federal shared services model, trying to take a little bit more of a control of the destiny of DHS. I'd also say that uh, you know uh, we've got a great uh, chief information officer, chief procurement officer. So we're really trying to tie that partnership at the headquarters with the leadership of. Uh, Pat Rose out at TSA as their CFO and really tried to kind of look forward. Uh, now working with Admiral Fedor over at the Coast Guard, uh, it's given us a tremendous opportunity to really build kind of one voice, one communication. I think it's important too, because it's such a big program. There was a lot of vendors and uh, other folks that needed to be able to be communicated to uh, directly. And I think that really uh, creating one central program office where we were able to get that communication out and uh, track progress and hold uh, vendors and our own staff uh, responsible to be able to make progress has been a game what is different operationally about the way TSA goes about its mission from a financial management perspective after this modernization has happened, Troy? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting is that um, you kind of got to look at it uh, from a big picture perspective. If you were to ask uh, TSA that question, uh, just like any large scale ERP, when you first go live, I think the users are probably at their probably highest level of uh, uncertainty, fear and doubt. And so the user experience isn't always the best at the beginning. Uh, operationally, though, if you look at it uh, through this process, we've been able to achieve over uh, eight uh, yearly clean audits. We've been able to by going live with TSA actually helped us extend from a department to move off the GAO high risk list, which is something that's been very important for me personally. And uh, and then, so what it does is it really cuts down 
into basically simple business processes and less complex systems. You talked about the collaboration a moment ago with Karen Evans, the CIO, Soraya Correa, uh, leading procurement. I imagine Angela Bailey at, uh, with human capitals involved in this also. This is really the core of what Congress was getting at with Fatara. How has that collaboration, Troy, enabled you to meet? I can't imagine this was perfectly smooth. Whatever challenges you ran into, what did that collaborative relationship enable you to do, Troy? Um, it, it provided a tremendous amount of power to the team. I, you know, I, all the folks that you just mentioned, it's just been uh, probably one of my greatest uh, benefits of being here is that I've just uh, had the greatest partnership with those folks. You know, when you start dealing vendors, you go with Soraya and her team on the CPO side, uh, you know, Karen Evans with all of her years of experience and then within CIO to be able to have that power. One of the issues we had as we were getting ready to go live, we had a one vendor and uh, internally some issues on resourcing. We were able to use uh, Karen's network, not only within uh, DHS, but outside to be able to kind of pull this thing through. And I think really having one unified voice from the department is that we all tell our staff this is gonna happen. We both uh, really reinforce that. And when we have issues, we kind of get together privately and can really talk through things to make sure we are having one voice out there. So I've been uh, very, uh, very proud of that relationship and we've been able to make significant progress. Have you learned lessons from the implementation so far that you can apply and that your successors can apply as they try to bring more components online and consolidate the system throughout the department, Troy? Uh, yeah, I think uh, a couple things that I think were really good lessons. Um, you know, we set up a joint program office. Uh, so, you know, before we would have program offices set up in the businesses, we'd have it here. We had the federal through the federal shared services. Um, by taking central control and then really having equal voices with the CPO, CIO, CFO, and Chico, uh, we were able to kind of, again, have one platform to communicate, track, status, et cetera. Probably the second is we focus on business process. For people that follow me as successors in here, people would ask, well, wow, 13 years, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, did you focus on the system? And I would say, no, we focus on the business process. Uh, we did utilize uh, the CUSMO or the centralized way of doing business process improvements at, uh, across the federal government, and we've driven them into DHS. And so at that point, some of the businesses that we haven't done, like Coast Guard, uh, ICE, and FEMA, they've already started the initiatives around business process. So I think that will start to pay dividends as it starts as we start catching up with them. Troy, we have about 30 seconds left. Um, you are in your last days as the CFO at DHS. What are you going to do when you wake up Thursday morning? Um, well, probably have a lot uh, more time. Yeah, you know, these uh, the thing that uh, has been pretty action-packed uh, for a lot of different reasons. This uh, financial assistance modernization is a big deal, but uh, you know, a lot of fee changes uh, that uh, we had to take into account for COVID-19. A lot of stuff, uh, shipbuilding in the Coast Guard. So it's just been uh, just a tremendous experience. I think for me, uh, getting up on that uh, the day the day after, I really feel that uh, being able to just look back at uh, great public service. I think for me, it's been a lot about public service, and I hope at some point in the future that I have the opportunity uh, to contribute my skill set back to the U.S. government. Troy Edgar, thanks very much for joining me. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Coming next, the view from the CIO's office, DHS Chief Information Officer Karen Evans on her part of this transition. You're watching Government Matters on ABC7.
Welcome back. You heard the chief financial officer at the Department of Homeland Security, Troy Edgar, a moment ago, attribute some of the success of the transition to a new financial management system. The Transportation Security Administration is on and the Coast Guard will join to his colleagues at DHS. One of the colleagues he mentioned is Karen Evans, the chief information officer at the Department of Homeland Security. Karen, welcome. It's good to see you again. Where was this financial management project when you joined DHS? And what did you have to do in your office to get to get it where it is today? Well, there was a, there's a very robust team and program office, the JPMO. I'm sure that Mr. Egger talked about that. Um, there were a series of issues that had to go forward. And um, it was really a pretty exciting time because coming into DHS, I was there in the beginning to see how DHS was progressing along with its financial management systems. And as you know, there were a series of lines of business going to government providers, and they had made that decision and had this program launched. So um, the chief information officer's responsibility is to partner to make sure that the right security is there, to make sure that they have uh, the things that they need to make sure it can scale, uh, the training, the connections, the, the enterprise types of services, and that's where we truly partnered with them. How much can the Coast Guard copy what TSA has done in its transition to cut down on the transition time that the Guard has to make, and how much of that will be replicable as the other components transition to this system? So where the lot of the lessons learned and really was the outreach and the communication strategy associated with the implementation. So this is a huge change management issue. So a lot of the training, a lot of the town hall meetings, a lot of the outreach, the partnership with the components themselves, how to get that, that can be duplicated. Each of the components though will have some type of unique requirement. So like in the case of the Coast Guard, they're actually part of the dot mill enterprise. So this really adds a level of complexity, but it, it, it will also um, give a lot of lessons learned and DHS is already, we're so partnered and joined at the hip with DOD anyway, that that then offers a unique opportunity going forward with Coast Guard. But it sounds like what you've got in place is a situation where it's easy to assess, to, it's easy to pull out those individualities for each of the components and say, all right, the rest of the 85% that's the same as the other components, we can move forward on that pretty much in a cookie cutter way and then customize these pieces around the edges. Am I hearing you right, Karen? Uh, yes, and what is really critical in this partnership is those uniquenesses about each of the components that is what can be identified from an enterprise perspective of where the CIO has that visibility into how they're constructed, how they do um, access, you know, the other types of interfaces that they have, what is can really be replicated and through the lessons learned on a modernization is, okay, we had these uniquenesses as it related to financial transactions, um, but financial systems, right, are the same. You have to have accounts receivable. You have to pay people. You have to have those. So those things are, can be now accelerated as you add more and more lessons learned. The real key to success, though, I think that Mr. Egger did going forward was the town halls that he did jointly with the components um, and, and also there was a whole series of leadership monthly meetings 
in order to make sure that you are addressing and identifying any potential pitfalls and the critical path going forward. And then the program office itself, we put people in there so that we were working jointly so that things that were associated with cybersecurity or network connections or those types of things were identified up front before they became a problem during the implementation. What is in place for the next CIO and the next CFO at the agency to pick up where you left off and continue the momentum? Well, um, this is on a roll, so this is pretty exciting. It was pretty exciting to be here to see uh, TSA actually come up on a modernized financial management system. So it seems like uh, such a nice way to go out from my perspective in my career. But the challenge is getting the department to continue to move forward in uh, modernized financial systems. But it's not just this. And what is happening in this particular project, which is really exciting that we're partnering with them, is moving the financial management system to the cloud and making sure that it scales so that everyone can use it and that the security is in place. And that, that truly will be a challenge but the team that's here now is up to it. There's a great team, both between CIO, CFO, that, and with the components that, um, you know, maybe I don't want to jinx the project, but I do think that, um, you know, a lot of those pitfalls, it'll be a little bit easier for the incoming CIO and CFO. We just have less than a minute left, Karen. The last time we did one of these as you were on your way uh, transitioning, you played Guitar Hero on my radio show. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. <laughs> But I am curious what you will do next Thursday. You know, uh, I thought about it and I was going to have something pissy. Like I thought, oh, I'll come back on your show, Francis, and share lessons learned based on, um, you know, how to handle the cybersecurity incident that is going on. There, um, it's a lot of fun. I think what I'm going to do is reflect a little bit, but based on what is happening in the government, I'm really focused on how I can continue to make a difference and contribute for the performance. I'm happy to book you for next Thursday. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, thanks. Up next, the number one story of the week, straight ahead on Government Matters, federal employees working from home for the inauguration. You're watching ABC7. Now the number one story of the week, the Office of Personnel Management's warning federal employees about trying to get to work this week. OPM Director Michael Regas writes to agencies that agencies should let employees work remotely whenever possible. Tracy Demartini's Chief Human Capital Officer at the General Services Administration. Tracy, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. I guess the silver lining in a memo like this is you and your colleagues, GSA, have been doing remote work for a long time. What have you learned in the time that you've been there and what have your colleagues learned about remote work since the pandemic began? Good morning, Francis. Um, yes, PSA, this is normal way of business for us now. We have mastered telework and remote work. So have many of my colleagues across the government and other agencies. We are in full telework posture. Um, we have a wonderful emergency management team also at GSA. And we are asking all of our employees to stay home next week and to continue their good work providing business and services to the federal workforce and the federal government. And we plan on not missing a beat, which is, has, has been what we've been doing the last 10 months. What are you thinking about at GSA? And what's your sense about what your colleagues in the human capital community across government are thinking about once we get to a point, whenever that may be, 
that it's safe for people to come back to the office. People want to come back to the office to whatever degree they want. I, I guess maybe that's the question. What's your sense of whether people want to come back and how much they want to come back when it's safe to do so, Tracy? Look, certainly some people are dying to come back into the office. They prefer to be with their colleagues, to have that office culture reignited, um, to be at their workstations. And some people are enjoying working from home. At GSA, we are looking at this as an opportunity. How can we really rejuvenate, reinvent, and reshape federal work, particularly in the D.C. area, but also in our 11 regions across the country? We've realized during this past year that we are masters at telework. Our productivity has gone up. We are still providing outstanding services. We have a wonderful cadre of building managers that are still keeping federal space secure and operating during the pandemic. Um, but we are also looking at ways to be creative because if we take this opportunity to figure out how we can have people continue to work at home beyond COVID and when the pandemic ends, we're gonna open up a whole new world of how we recruit people and what compensation levels might look like as we broaden our scope across the country and also maybe break down some silos. So we have people working across regions and with central office. GSA is going to pilot um, a, what we're calling a return to facilities program. We've been working very hard on it. And we're going to see how we can operationalize and allow people to choose where they work along with input from their supervisors and management because the ultimate goal is to do what's in the best interest of the agency while we're also saving money and continuing to deliver high-valued services and increase our efficiency. Since, I guess, May or June, when it became obvious we were going to be doing this for a while, anytime I would have one of your colleagues on the program or talk to somebody off the air, I would always ask about onboarding, what that process is like. You have some unique insight into what it's like to onboard during this process, being that you came to GSA in September from the Peace Corps. What was that process like for you and what did you learn about that that you could share with your colleagues across the human capital community, Tracy? First and foremost, that it can be done. And I had a wonderful onboarding experience. It helps that GSA has a rock star CIO office. Um, we have state-of-the-art technology and we embrace the latest. We use a Google platform. So my onboarding experience was phenomenal. My equipment came right to my home. I was able to log on. I had help desk support that made, uh, allowed me to figure out how to get into the GSA systems, and then I was off to the races. We're going to see the same thing happen next week. We are going to onboard all of our incoming political employees virtually because we understand that during this time of COVID, safety of our workforce is the first thing we are focused on, and we demonstrated that we can do it. Since March 1st of 2020 through December 30th, we onboarded 841 people virtually. And that's not just in D.C., but that's across the country. So we know how to do it, and we're going to continue to do so during this time of the pandemic. You mentioned uh, the what, what you're advising your employees to do this week. I have a quote from Michael Regas's memo uh, to agency leaders this week. We're going to put that up on the screen here in a moment to help alleviate traffic congestion, minimize distraction to law enforcement and security officials. Office of Personnel Management is urging agencies to permit employees who might otherwise report to the normal agency worksite during this period to use all available workplace flexibility options. Again, this is something that you've been doing for a long time. To your agency colleagues who maybe haven't had as much success at telework as you have, what would you advise them to do to triage over the weekend and, and at the beginning of the week to make sure they're ready for midweek? Communicate, communicate, communicate. 
You cannot over communicate to your workforce on what the expectations are and make sure that they have the connections and equipment and expectations set for them up front. Look, coming into town is not going to answer the issue about productivity. I had to go downtown this week. I wanted to say farewell to my bosses, Emily Murphy and Allison Brigatti, and I sat in the E Street Tunnel for two hours on Wednesday um, as they were doing the first phase of closure. That was not a good use of anyone's time. So I went back to telework yesterday and actually work longer hours, which many people tend to do when they're teleworking. There really is no excuse at this point for any agency to be afraid of telework or for not investing in the programs, the training, and the communication that's needed. This is where we are. This is what we've been doing. We know how to do it. And if agencies are worried or have issues, they should reach out to those of us that have pretty much mastered it at this point. Tracy Martini, thanks very much for coming on. Great to have you back. Thank you, Francis. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. And you get a preview of every one of our programs by signing up for our daily program guide. You just text GOVMATTERS to the number 58671. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News. Next Sunday morning at 1030 on ABC7. Stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Beatrix Haddon. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.